Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you with us, whether you're joining us one of our churches or online. And today, we're starting a brand new series entitled, Don't Take the Bait. So let me start off with a question. How many of you would say you know somebody who seems to be easily offended? In fact, raise your hand if you know somebody that is easily offended. Yep. Seems like a pretty chronic problem, doesn't it? Now, how many of you are sitting right next to that person right now? Now, don't, don't raise your hand and don't glance at them. You know why? Because they would be offended. Now, here's the reality. If you didn't realize it before 2020, you sure can't miss it now. We are living in a very sensitive world, and everybody seems to be offended by something. In fact, the relational tension, it is higher than it has ever been in our high, a lifetime. I mean, think about it. We have been living in a pandemic now for almost a year. And in the middle of this chaos, we experienced social unrest that led to riots while experiencing a very divisive election. And there was no place to get away from it all because you had to cancel your vacation. And then you were stuck at home for work and for school. And if you spent any time on social media, you know it is crazier than ever. See, everybody seems to be offended by something. And when you look at this list, with good reason, right? I mean, look at what everybody has been through in this past year. Now, here's the thing. Let's even get more personal and be very honest about this thing. The thing about being offended, it's not just a they problem. We all find ourselves getting offended by so many things in this season, even small things. And just to help you know that we're all in the same boat in this, about four or five months in this pandemic, I found myself so frustrated with what we were going through. And I found myself so frustrated, getting so frustrated with people that I found myself living in this perpetual state of being offended. In fact, I have never lived through a season where I felt so offended or frustrated, I should say, frustrated by life and offended by people. I mean, it was just bad enough that my wife, she suggested a book. And then that book, it was so convicting. And I began to realize that God was doing and speaking something in my life that it led me to another series of books. In fact, the book that I first read was this book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. I'm just telling you, it is a must read in this season. If you're going to keep your sanity and honor God in the season, this book, Unoffendable, though, what it did is it led to a series of three books by Dr. R.T. Kendall. The first one was Total Forgiveness. The second one was Totally Forgiving Ourselves. And the third one was Totally Forgiving God. And I, I would suggest that you read all four of these books. Now, here's what I do know. Even though I suggest that, you're not going to read all of these books. But it would be great if you would. But what we have been praying, especially myself, is that God will use this series of conversations that we're going to have over the next three weeks to impact your life the way the Holy Spirit has impacted my life through these four books that he led me through. Now, here's why I just believe it is so important for us to have this conversation in this season. In fact, Ashley Woodridge, who is the senior pastor of CCV Church, he said this, of all the ways Satan can destroy you, the trap of offense may be his most hidden weapon. And I believe that is so true in this season. This has been the hidden weapon that has caused more destruction in our lives in this season, maybe 
than even the things that we have gone through as a result of the pandemic. Now, the question is, why is this true? And here's why. Because the possible ways for you to get baited into being, offend, in, uh, being offended in a day, they are endless if you think about it. I mean, even Jesus said this. Notice what he said in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. It says, then Jesus said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. And I just want you to think about how true this statement is that Jesus makes. Jesus basically says, it's impossible to live your life and not have things happen to you that could cause you to feel offended. In fact, every day of your life, it's impossible for you to live your life and not things, have things happen to you that could cause you to choose to feel offended. If you're looking for a reason to be offended, even Jesus says, you'll always find the reason. But don't miss this. Choosing to live offended or be offended, it is so self-defeating. In fact, you've never had a day where you thought, oh, I am so much better because I am so bitter. It was just so fantastic feeling offended all day. Or I just love being angry all the time. My relationships were richer. I felt closer to God. Today was so meaningful and fulfilling because I spent it being offended. No, here's the reality. You've never enjoyed a great day living offended. So here's what we have been praying that you'll realize from today's conversation and over the next few weeks, and that is this. Your life is too short and your purpose too great to live offended. In fact, every day that you live distracted from the purpose which God has created you is a day of lost potential and missed impact. In fact, imagine the time that you could have spent deepening a relationship, serving someone and meeting a need, listening to someone and showing love or cooperating with God and what he's doing around you, but you missed out on the opportunity because you were too upset over something that a year or two later, you won't even remember. Don't, don't miss this. Your life is too short and your purpose too great to live offended. See, you were made for so much more than just living offended. There's so much more that God has for your life than to be distracted by living offended. So the question that we want to answer today is, so what do you do with all these slights, with all these wrongs, with all these hurts, with all these wounds that we all experience in our life? Well, King Solomon, he had a pretty simple solution. In fact, he says this in Proverbs chapter 19. Notice what he says. A person's wisdom yields patience. Don't miss that. A person's wisdom yields patience. And the question is, patience for what? Well, is patience for the person who slighted you? For the person who offended you or wronged you or hurt you? So wisdom says, just be patient. Why? Because, Solomon goes on to say, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Literally, it is for your benefit to overlook an offense. And some of you are saying, yeah, but should they apologize first for what they did? Not according to Solomon. Because what he says is, you can choose to overlook an offense. In fact, when Solomon says it is to 
one's glory to overlook an offense. It means that you can choose to be offended or you can choose not to be offended. And maybe many of you, you're kind of sitting there listening and thinking, maybe like I used to think before a counselor by the name of Sue Gilbert helped me to see this years ago. I used to think, well, all I need to do is I just need to tell them because they need to know how they offended me, how they wronged me, how they hurt me. They need to know the pain they caused me. And then once they understand the pain and the hurt and the wound and the wrong that they caused me, then I can move on and then I can let it go. Nope. According to Solomon, and as we're going to see in the next few weeks, according to the Apostle Paul, that's not necessary either. Solomon says, wisdom, wisdom, it gives you the ability to choose to overlook an offense. No need to even say anything to the person. And you might be thinking again, as, as I used to think, but that doesn't seem right. Because that post they made or that comment they made in that post, man, that really upset me. I can't believe they think that way. So I'm not sure that I can trust them anymore. So now there's this gap in my trust with them and I need some answers. Or, or they didn't text me back and that really ticks me off. Or maybe they're not the kind of friend that I thought they were. And now there's this gap and I'm not sure that I can trust them as a friend anymore. Or when they said that, it just seems so rude to me. And now there's this gap, and I want an explanation. Or what they did, it hurt me so bad, and it caused me so much pain, and they need to know how bad that it hurt me. There is this gap, and I just don't know if I can trust them from this point on. Well, Solomon comes along, and Solomon, he believes that we have a choice between two options. The option to be offended or the option to choose not to be offended. In fact, notice how he states this in another way in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. He says, hatred stirs up conflict. So Solomon is basically saying here, go ahead, talk to them about that slight. Go ahead and tell them how mad you are and how hurt you are. Go ahead and let them know you didn't appreciate how they treated you. Go ahead and tell them you're mad because they didn't come through for you and they let you down. Go ahead and express your anger over the way they offended or wrong or wounded or the pain that they caused you. But just know it will most likely stir up unnecessary conflict. Now, maybe again you're thinking the way I used to think. But they need to know so they don't go do this to anyone else, what they did to me. Well, Sue helped me understand. That's pretty narrow thinking because I am forgetting when I think that I need to go tell someone so they won't go do this to someone else and offend somebody else or wrong someone else. I am forgetting that I respond to people based on who I am. I respond to people based upon my pain, my hurts, my wounds, the wrongs that were done to me in my past. So I'm forgetting that I respond to people based on who I am, not who they are. That means what may cause me to feel offended may not even affect someone else in any way at all. 
That's why you can be in a meeting and there's this conversation and you feel like something was said that was wrong. And after the meeting, you go to another person in the meeting and you said, do you hear that comment so-and-so made? And they go, I didn't think anything about it. But it wounded you deeply because we forget. We respond to people based on who we are, not who they are. And the other thing that Sue reminded me of is I, I was never commissioned to be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. So Solomon warns us. He says, if you choose to tell them how bad they treated you or hurt you, you just need to know you're about to respond in a way that might take a very small crack in the relationship and widen it into a canyon. So how does he tell us to respond? Well, I want you to notice the last part of the verse. Here's what he says. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over a couple of of wrongs. No, that's not what he says. Notice what he says. But love covers over all wrongs, all wrongs. So what Solomon is saying is you can choose to express your anger over every wrong. You can choose to express your hurt over every wrong. You can tell them how they wronged you so they don't do the same thing to others. Or he says, you can fill the gap with love. Now, here's the thing about this. You may not have noticed this, but there's always this pause between their actions and your reaction. In every interaction that we have with another person, there is always this slight pause. In other words, they said it, there's a pause between their words and your response. They did it, there's a pause between their actions and your reaction. They text it, and then there's this pause between their text and your text back. It may be a very small pause, but here's the truth. You, me, we get to choose what we put in that pause. You choose how you respond. You control how you react. You decide how to fill the pause. The problem is, most of the time we fill that pause with the worst possible interpretation of what they did, when they did it, and why they did it. In other words... I fill the pause in by assuming the worst about you and your intentions. You didn't text me back because you don't really care about me. Or you said that because you're trying to be passive aggressive and send me a message that I'm not good enough. Or you responded the way you did because you're not really trustworthy. Or you're trying to hide something from me. You did that. You made that decision because you really don't have my best interests at heart. Don't miss this. We all have the tendency to be terrible interpreters of the actions of others. So you know what we do? We fill that little pause with the most negative explanation possible for their action. And when we choose to fill that pause with the negative explanation, we're choosing to live offended. Now, researchers, they call this the fundamental attribution Era. Don't miss that. Now, here's what this is. The fundamental attribution error, it is a bias to attribute my behavior to my circumstances, but attribute your behavior to your character. See, th this is why we feel such a desperate need to tell the other person what they did to us, because we attribute it to their character flaws, some character flaw in their life. So they need to know about it. We need to make them aware about it. 
However, when we do the same thing, and we always do basically the same thing to other people at some level, we're making the best choice from our perspective. We are making the best choice based upon the circumstances that we have been handled. In fact, let me give you a simple explanation. I'm late because somebody caught me as I was walking out the door, and then I hit several red lights on the way to the meeting, so you should be understanding of why I was late, because what my circumstances handed to me. However, if you're late, it's because you are organized, and you can't manage your time, and you don't really respect people. See the difference in our attitude? I attribute my behavior, I'm late, to my circumstances that I ran into, but I attribute your behavior to your character flaws that you have. And we're all guilty of all doing this all the time. And, And when here's the thing that happens, when we are the ones that wrong or wound somebody else, it's it's like Oh, it's my circumstances. Come on, give me a break. You know, that's not how I usually am. That's not how I am as a person. However, if someone disappoints us or lets us down, well, then you're just not a very good person and you're just so disrespectful and you just need more of Jesus in your life and you got some character issues you need to work on. In other words, I think I deserve grace because of my circumstances when I disappoint or wrong someone. So showing me grace is the logical thing to do because of the circumstances that I had. But when you mess up, it is because of your character flaws. So I don't think you deserve grace. And Solomon's whole point is, wise people, what they do is they learn to fill in the pause, the gap with love. See, when there's a pause, when there's a gap, love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love covers all sins. So love believes the best instead of assuming the worst. Love fills the pause with trust instead of suspicion. In fact, love doesn't think, well, she didn't text me back because she's not a good friend. No, no, love, it thinks, maybe she's busy or a phone maybe died or, or maybe She saw it and then got distracted and forgot it. It's no big deal. She's such a good friend. See, love doesn't think, well, he didn't invite me to that because he's trying to cut me out of the deal. No, no, love says he's always been fair and he's always looked out for me. There's no reason to doubt that now. Or or love doesn't think, well, they made that decision because they're hiding something or they don't have my best interest in mind. No, no, love thinks, I am sure they're doing the best they can with the circumstances they've been handed and the information that they have. See, love, it covers over a multitude of hurts and wrongs and slights and sins. Love recognizes their behavior, their response. It isn't aimed at me. They're they're just maybe having a bad day or that tone of voice. It wasn't really caused by me. That response had nothing to do with me, so I shouldn't take it personally. So I'm not... So I'm going to choose not to be baited into the trap of offense. That's a choice. Now, here's the good news. About a thousand years after King Solomon penned this advice, the apostle Paul, he came along and he expressed the same advice this way. And we find it in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what he says. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, 
The Apostle Paul says, the only way to live unoffendable is if you are humble. See, humble people are hard to slight. Humble people are hard to hurt. Humble people are hard to wound. And here's why. Humble people recognize, I'm not perfect. Humble people recognize their own surprising fallenness. They realize how fallen they are. They they recognize because of their character flaws, they have been shown grace thousands and thousands and thousands of times in the past, and that they know they're going to need grace again thousands and thousands of times in the future. So when a humble person sees somebody else wrong them or feels somebody else wrong them or wound them, they quickly and generously offer grace to somebody else what they know they've needed and they know they're going to need again and again and again. They bear with one another in love and they give the benefit of the doubt. Basically what they do is they choose to fill the gap with love and they choose to overlook the offense. See, as the Apostle Paul says, he says, they choose to bear with one another in love, because here's what they know. They know that nobody's perfect. There's not a perfect parent. There's not a perfect child. There's not a perfect boyfriend or girlfriend. There's not a perfect spouse. There's not a perfect neighbor, boss, employee, teacher, coach, player, mother-in-law. Nobody's perfect. So you have to learn to be humble enough to bear with someone when they are having a bad day, when their character flaws do show up. You bear with someone when they're having a bad moment. You bear with someone when they've wronged you or hurt you in some way. Now, here's the reality. You can choose to do what the Apostle Paul said or what Solomon said, or or you can choose to go the other way. You can fill that little pause. You can fill that gap with suspicion, and you'll be constantly shocked that people would treat you the way they did or they would do what they did. But here's the problem with that. You will live constantly being offended. What you'll do is you'll just keep carrying a grudge and you'll carry a grudge and another grudge and another grudge and it's going to cost you and you're going to turn so many little cracks into canyons relationally and I'm telling you that is a miserable way to live because nobody ever wakes up thinking I am living the life of my dreams because I am so easily offended. Like my relationships are amazing because I keep carrying a grudge. God's just using me in exciting ways because I just live live so offended. Nobody says that. In fact, let me say this again. Our life or your life, it is too short and your purpose too great to live offended. So don't let the bait of being or living offended distract you from what God has you. Don't let the wrongs, the hurts, the wounds hold you back from something special that God has for you. Don't miss meaningful relationships because you let little bitty cracks get turned into canyons by feeling like you have to point out to others what they did to you. Listen, you are called to love, and love chooses to overlook the offense. You've got so many bigger things to do for God that God is calling you to do. You've got a purpose to live out. You've got an impact to make. You've got a contribution to make. You're choosing to not keep living offended. And don't forget this. You've been forgiven when you offended. You've had people, I've had people overlook our offenses even when we did not know they were overlooking our offenses. 
See, you've been the recipient of grace and mercy from God time and time and time and time again, and your character flaws, they're going to cause you to mess it up again in the future, and you're going to need grace and mercy a thousand times more. You're, you're going to need someone to overlook your offense. So Solomon and the Apostle Paul, they challenge us, choose to do what love requires of us and overlook the offense. Listen, there is little to gain and a lot to lose living offended. So fill the gap with love and live for something so much bigger. Now, here's the thing. I, I know it's not easy. In fact, I, I get the opportunity to practice this all the time. In fact, whenever you're in a public role and you have the privilege of experiencing public feedback, and, and I know this is going to be shocking to some of you, but not everybody appreciates everything you do or agrees with everything you say especially in this past year. But here's what I know from years of trying to practice this and then from really just leaning into and learning this at a new level for the past eight months. If I choose to live offended and try to respond to every comment and everything that somebody says or does to me and try to convince every critic, you know what I would not be able to do? I would not be able to spend my time trying to inspire and serve you. I wouldn't be able to focus on how we can continue to help the 100,000 people in Calhoun, Liberty, Washington, Holmes, and Jackson County who aren't in a church know that God is for them. I wouldn't be able to continue to develop our regional network of churches that we're launching, and it's going to impact more people than we can ever imagine. Listen, my life is too short and my calling too great to live offended. So I remind myself, it's not about me. And I stay focused on what God wants to do in me and what God wants to do through me. And I pray that you will do the same thing. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, now, wait just a minute, Paul. I think you're being a little too casual about all this hurt and pain and wrong and wounding that's happened in my life. You, you don't understand how they hurt me. It was big. It wasn't no small offense. And they hurt me over and over and over again. I just can't overlook it. We'll just hold on to that thought, and we're going to talk about that next week. So make sure you come back and make sure you bring a friend. But today, let's remind ourselves that living offended, it's a choice. So will you choose to fill the pause? Will you choose to fill the gap with love? Will you choose? Because as, as Solomon said, you get to choose your response to overlook the offense or not overlook the offense. But here's what I want to remind you. Your life is too short and your purpose too great, and God has forgiven you for way too much to live being offended. So today as we close, um, if you're tired of just wasting your life living offended, if you're ready to get over it, I want to invite you as we close out our time together today to just let it go by taking communion. Think about it. Communion is a celebration of Jesus choosing to fill the gap with love. Communion is a celebration of Jesus saying, I'm choosing not to be offended by your sins and wrongdoing. I am choosing to cover all your sins with love. So whatever you're offended by or whatever that something is that has offended you, before you take communion, would you name it? And would you confess it to God? And then would you do what Jesus did? Cover it with love. Now, the Apostle Paul, 
He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that is the height of hypocrisy to take communion, which is a celebration of being forgiven for so many sins and not to forgive others when they have offended us. Even more than that, he says, for us not to be right with our fellow men and to take communion means we bring greater condemnation on ourselves. So I want us to really think about this act of communion that we're about to take as a step of letting go, letting go of those offenses and forgiving others as we've been forgiven. So I'm going to pray for us and then before you eat the bread and drink the juice, just spend some time reflecting on how much it costs Jesus to cover all your sin with love. And then ask Jesus to help you cover all the wrongs against you with love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the reminder that we have a choice. We can choose to live offended or we can choose to cover the gap, the pause with love and live unoffended. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit's power is able to help us do that. And I pray that over these next couple weeks as we lean into this conversation more, that you will help us understand how that we do that, how that we live that out. But today, I pray that you'll help us to make the choice to say, God, today, I'm going to let go. I'm going to start letting go of the offense. And I choose today to begin the process of forgiving. Just as you chose to cover all of my sin with love, I'm choosing to cover all the sins against me, all the wrongs, all the hurts, all the wounds with love. Thank you for modeling for us how to do that. When you came and you sacrificed at a level that none of us would ever imagine so that we could experience your love. So today as we celebrate that love, God, help us to do it with sincerity, but also with hearts that are filled with your forgiveness and are also giving out your forgiveness to others. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for being with us today, and, and we just pray that today will be the first step of you beginning to experience freedom from living life, feeling offended, and also finding the freedom of what not only being forgiven, forgiven means, but what forgiving others mean for you. So make sure you come back for the next few weeks as we finish up this conversation, and let me pray for us before we go out and, and live this out, starting this right away. God, I thank you so much um, for this opportunity, not just even to wait till Monday, um, but God to start living this out as we walk away from this conversation. God, there's going to be so many things that come up that could cause us to be offended. And I I pray that this final act of communion that we just experienced will be a reminder that when we get in a moment where there's a gap, that we've been wronged or we've been hurt or wounded in some way, God, to fill that gap with love and choose to forgive as we have been forgiven and cover that wrong with love. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is going to help us this week to do that. We need your Holy Spirit's power in order to rise above living offended and being able to forgive. Thank you for your presence with us throughout this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.